Hi, welcome to the Meg Pearson podcast, Fertile at 40. I'm your host, Meg Pearson. After many health complications due to alcohol addiction and an eating disorder that ruled my world for close to 20 years, I was told I would never have children. At 38, I naturally and surprisingly fell pregnant and the transition from maiden to mother was wrought with love, grief, excitement, and healing. Becoming a mama was about far more than just soothing stitches and learning how to care for a tiny human. It was, and still is, a relearning of who I am and what I am truly capable of. After over two challenging years trying to conceive a second baby since, I gratefully and naturally conceived my second child just as I turned 41, after three losses and heaps of heartache. I am a doula in training, holistic chef, teacher of yoga, and a childbirth educator, and I am here to share my story because I know it's not just mine. Join me each week for unbiased convos with a no-bullshit approach to faith, infertility, conscious conception, and connected pregnancy, with birth stories, expert interviews, and personal anecdotes to help tell the story of creation. Welcome. Now let's do this. Hello, dear people out there in the podcast world. I'm so excited to have you listening. My name is Meg. At the time of this episode going live, July 14th, 2022, I may or may not have had my my new baby. Due date was July 23rd. I'm recording this in June, so we have no idea what's going to be taking place over the next month or so. And I did record a lot of batched, I batched a lot of episodes to cover a few months of maternity leave, so I'm not feeling under the gun while I'm home with a newborn. Way to go past me for planning and preparing for this. So cool. Today, I'm excited to bring you guys a conversation that I had with an amazing woman that I've known for years. Um, We talk a little bit about that during the interview, but she's such a cool, cool, cool person. Much like me, I love that she follows and does whatever it is that's lighting her up at any given time. And she does it with such grace and ease. Like me, I do like to... (laughs) I like to believe. Um, Right now, the thing that she has been diving really, really deep into for the last couple of years is something called human design. And if you go back ages ago, I had one of my first episodes on the show was about human design. Here, I'm just going to call it up and see what episode that was. Because this was, got my phone out. Back in the day, I did an episode back in the day. This this show has been just on the air for just over one year. In May, we celebrated my one year anniversary of the Meg Pearson podcast. And it was back when, here, let's see here. One of my first guests. There we go. Episode number four with Alejandra Hernandez, where we talked about human design and your career, which is really, really cool. Today, we're talking about human design and parenting. So if you don't know what human design is, don't worry, you don't have to go look it up. We talk about that in today's episode with Melissa. And then we also talk about something cool that she's creating called the Human Design Parenting Collective. And she also does a little reading. She she pulled the charts for both myself and my daughter, Kobe. Kobe will be three uh, on July 31st. So shortly after this episode goes live. And so that was really, really cool to get insight on our natural tendencies and how I can best support my little girl as she, you know, really continues to move into herself and self-individualize. 
So that's what today's conversation is about. So, so cool. Melissa's also, she offers up where you can go and get yourself a free human design chart. So I recommend that you go ahead and do that. There's a link in the show notes. So grab that. It's helpful to have your human design chart in front of you. um, Just so you can kind of follow along and get an idea about what's what on the chart. And Melissa's also, by the time this episode goes live, she's got an amazing um, portal that she's creating called the Human Design Parenting Collective. So you can go and join that and get lots of support and information about using human design with your parenting. So who is Melissa? You're probably wondering. Well, Melissa Leithward is a women's mentor, a certified gene keys guide, and a 6-3 emotional projector in human design, which you will learn more about what that means. She is a mother of two generator type girls in human design whom she homeschools. She mentors women in embodying their soul's purpose through human design and gene keys so that they may pass wisdom along to their children. Cool, right? She's also got something that she's been um, working to create in the back road called Vista, where she helps women get into their vision for their life and you're going to definitely want to connect with her. Uh, Make sure you follow her on Instagram. So that, again, link will be in the show notes. All right, let's get into the conversation. Here's my convo with Melissa Leithwood. One last thing before we get into the conversation, I want to remind you that this podcast provides general information and discussion about natural medicine, health, pregnancy, and childbirth-related subjects. The content here should not be taken as medical advice, and the content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult with your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Now, on with the show. Melissa, my dear, I'm so excited to have you here on the Meg Pearson podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to be sitting down with you. And we've been, we've been gabbing, gabbing, gabbing before I hit record because you're, you're one of those women that I have known, I mean, I've known you since what, 2012, 2013, I think we met when we we were both affiliated and working with the health clinic in downtown Toronto. That was, I think, when we originally met. And we've both we've both shifted through a lot of growth, evolution, reinvention over all of these years. And I'm so excited to have you on here today to talk about the latest direction that you're taking your life. But before we get into that, let's just, can you give us a little bit of a background about who you are, what you're doing in the world right now, who you're helping? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I am a, I'm a mama. Hello. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm a mama. Yeah. Of two, two little girls, Eva and Ivy, who are eight and six. And I'm also a human design embodiment guide and a certified gene keys guide. And I'm so many things. I feel like I've gone through in a, as your listeners will come to realize I'm a six, three projector in human design. And so in true third line style, I feel like I've gone through and experimented with so many things in my life. So I would say, you know, who am I is such an interesting question because I've been, and I am, I am who I am, but I've been so many things. I, I, well, when I met you back in 2013, I was, uh, I was in my fourth or fifth year of PhD study for business at business school in, in, uh, Canada. And 
I was coming into my own consulting practice with healthcare practitioners uh, around business and, and, uh, and marketing at that time. So, but I come with an artist's heart. I come from a family of artists and um, painters. My grandfather was a graphic designer for a large company, uh, one of the largest graphic design companies back in like the 1980s when they used to make these placemats that people would would sit and eat at um, back in when when they had diners and restaurants that had like these paper placemats with drawings on them, like artistic drawings. He was like, that was his thing. Huh. So he was very good at it. Wow. So interesting. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's fun. And then, you know, of course, after that, um, I was on track to become a professor. And then I realized that I, I went for the interviews at um, various universities and yeah, I just realized that I wanted to be with my, with my kids who were under two at that time. I had two under two because they're 22 months apart. Mm. Um, my goodness. And, and that's when I fell into, into being at home with them and into network marketing with essential oils with doTERRA. And now Coming into now human design, I've been in my human design journey or experiment for probably just about two years now. And, and that was life transforming because I finally felt like I could, I could be who I was mm-hmm. unapo- unapologetically. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And I love this because we were, we met each other in 2013 and our paths crossed. I mean, they've always been connected through social media and then our paths crossed again in, I think 2020, when I was falling back in love with doTERRA myself after, you know, years of dabbling with the oils. And so we reconnected over the oils and funnily enough, I, I mean, I created a little bit of a business with it during the COVID closure of the world. And I just, got a deposit into my bank account, like a commission, <laughs> like last week. And I was like, where did that come from? Cause I haven't, I'm not, I haven't been active with it, but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so we stayed connected. And I think that because of our, you know, where we've been bopping in and out of each other's lives through social media, the algorithm has kept us really up to date about what's been going on. And I love, love, love to see our, our you our, our similar engagement with human design because I think I really got into it god I think probably almost two years ago myself just self-studying I did a bit of a, a one of my coaching certification courses that I did early on was had a, had a strong element of human design and astrology in it and it's fascinating to me oh, and I think I remember you posting about that on Instagram yeah yeah and the interesting thing is and you're going to tell me if this is true or not but I know that part of my design is that I, I I'm constantly learning and and doing a million things at once and it mm-hmm. was it was definitely something that I got really into but like the the gnat that I am I got really into a million other things at the same time so it was never something that I I fully embraced and 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 have have been able to learn in depth enough to really help a lot of other people with it. So I'm excited to talk to you about that uh, here today. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about human design. We're talking about parenting, because I love that the first thing you said is that I'm a mom, whereas a lot of, a lot of women 
they purposely put that at the bottom of the list, almost as if we need to prove that we can be more than just a mom. But I'm with you. I'm like, being a mom is probably one of the most important things and the most important roles I think I play in this in this world. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like, uh, hmm. I feel like there's this enrichment that happens when you become a mom mm-hmm. and you, I know speaking for myself, like my ability to hold more, to hold more sensation in all areas of my life um, really expanded. So when I became a mother, it's like, now I had to hold not only my emotional body, I have to hold their emotional body and I have to hold all the things I have to do with them. So now my capacity is stretched um, (laughs) and (laughs) non-voluntarily. And so all of a sudden it's like, wow, that really trickled over into all the other areas of my life. Wow, I'm able to hold more. I'm able to have more patience doesn't mean that I don't feel impatient, but it means that at least I now have been stretched to hold more. And so it's so interesting because this enrichment um, and this ability to hold more sensation really just came out through motherhood and affected my business and affected how I, how I interacted with relationships. Um, And I feel like maybe I'm a little bit of a wiser, wiser soul, um, I fast tracked that maybe a little bit faster, you know, but becoming a mother. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, so true. So true. So, so true. And I think, you know, there is transformation that comes 100% with, with becoming a mother and moving through all the different phases, rediscovering ourselves as we are discovering who our children are. We learn so much about ourselves through teaching our children and you're a homeschooler, right? You homeschool your, your girls. Uh, Yeah. We're like the homeschool world school, unschooler family. (laughs) Yeah. So that there's, I'm sure there's so much beauty and expansion for all of you, your husband included, as you move through that being so intimately intertwined with your children and their experience of the world and And what a gift, what a gift for them. And what a gift for you to be able to understand them on a different level, thanks to this work with the human design. So let's talk about that. What is human design? I know I did an episode way back about over over a year ago when I first started this podcast about human design, but we focused a lot on human design and career. Let's, Let's reframe for anyone that's just hopping on and maybe new to listening and maybe doesn't know what human design is. What is it all about? For sure. So... Human design is really, um, it's at the broadest level, it is the highest expression of your soul's purpose here on this planet. And it is at the more mechanical level, it is understanding that when you were born, the cosmos imprinted you at birth and actually also 
in human design, it's like 80 ish, 80 some odd days before you're born. Um, when you're, when you're a fully formed human in the womb, you also have a, what's called a body design. Um, but your personality design is when you're, your, your actual birth date, you know, when you come out of that womb. And so it's this idea that the cosmos, the planets, the universe, all those energies imprint you at birth. And actually there's quite a bit of science for anyone who's just interested in sort of the logic behind it that makes it maybe a little bit more concrete and a little bit less woo-woo. And I'm here for the woo-woo. Um, but but to make it, you know, interesting, uh, you know, there's in the 1960s or so, uh, NASA discovered uh, neutrinos there. So we have what's called the neutrino field and the sun in the core of the sun, there's these little particles that are called subatomic particles, which are known as neutrinos. And we get them from the sun, which is why in astrology, there's always like this emphasis on like your sun sign and how much it influences you and how a lot of like 70% of your energy comes from like the sun that's in your chart. And so a lot of it has to do with the neutrino field. And so right now, currently, as we're here, second by millisecond, there are like millions and millions of neutrinos that are passing through us at all the time. And so with that, they come from the sun, they come from the earth, they come from other planets like Venus and Mars. And basically when they go through and they, and they, they kind of pass through those planets or they come from those stars, they bring a little bit of that, mm, that flavor or like, you know, when two cars hit each other, there's kind of like this paint scrape. <laughs> and so they bring a little bit of that paint scrape with them as they pass through us. And so that's the whole idea is that we get this, these little energies that get imprinted on us from the cosmos. And so uh, human design basically honors the fact that when you, when you were born, that you carry with you this imprint and it's very unique and you have this energy flow within your body. And it really, um, it, it, it's all about, you know, you how you're designed how you're designed energetically to thrive in this world uh, and to be your most authentic self would be to align with that energy to honor it uh, but of course you know what can happen as with most things we can get conditioned in society um, <laughs> which can be a good thing because we have to function in society but at the same time, there are a lot of things that we might pick up that um, don't necessarily serve us very well. And, and certainly for me, uh, I felt that. And, and uh, I, it, was, it was my human design experiment about two years ago that brought me into this space of, whoa, wow, I'm finally being seen. Um, and I feel like my, at a very deep soul level and being seen. And so human design does that. It allows you to realign with your truest, highest expression of self of soul. Yeah. And it utilizes various and it can it integrates various different aspects of like uh, identity theory, you know, between, cause like 
there's the the I Ching, the astrology. God, I'm having. I'm. I just woke up from a nap before I got on this call, yeah. so I'm I'm blanking on all of that. It's okay, but- I'll help you out. So it's the four. <laughs> it's the four um, uh, paradigms, energetic energetic paradigms. Uh, so the three thousand year old Chinese I Ching system of astrology then there's just like their standard like the there's astrology um like your natal chart type of astrology uh that's the second one and then we've got the kabbalah uh, or judaic tree of life in there which is what kind of um gives the circuitry in the chart that you'll see these kind of lines that create these channels that's where that comes from kind of like that flow of energy and then we've got in there the ayurvedic uh, chakra system which is where we get the centers from in our chart there are actually nine centers now um since seven since the 1700s or 1780 or something like this uh, when we went from seven centered beings to nine centered beings and we're about to mutate again in 2027 yeah which i love so, it I love that. When I was reading up on that, I was like, that makes perfect sense with everything that's going on in the world that we are mutating and expanding and shifting. So cool. Now, hundred percent. And you, Meg, you, Meg, you are, um, you are very, very rare quad right. I must say quad right. Um, which is, which is what we're going to see when we come into the new way. Uh, which is in 2027 onward, we're going to see a lot more of the quad right, uh, which is basically a very receptive energies, people who are going to be uh, very, very uh, receptive in taking in and understanding rather than being so centered on like being strategic and logic. It's very much more of a feeling type of um, gift. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> and, and I think what we were saying before we even hit record, that's what I kind of what I'm feeling like these days is receptivity and softness and slowing and oh, so cool. Now, two things before we get into, like, I'm super excited, you guys. I don't know how we haven't even touched on this yet, but Melissa has done a chart, looked at the chart for myself and my daughter. And we're going to talk about that because we, this is the focus of this conversation is going to be about how human design can help us in, in best being able to support ourselves as parents and support our children as their individual identities. Right. Um, but I wanted to just have you explain one thing first. Yes. When we talk about human design, we talk about the human design experiment mm-hmm. and I want you to just expand on and why we, why we refer to it as that, as opposed to just, you know, I learned my human design and that's that. But we, <laughs> yeah. we, we learn it, we enter into an experiment with it, right? We do. So there's, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom and human design to learn it, to know, to, to look at your chart and to, you know, gain the knowledge of your chart is one thing. It's all in the mind. But to have wisdom is to embody your chart. And that means entering into an experiment with it through your strategy and your authority. And when, when I say authority, it's basically coming into this idea that with human design, 
decision-making doesn't happen in the mind. The mind in human design is meant to be an what's called an outer authority. It's for others. And it's for you to, you know, give your wisdom and to teach whatever it is that you're learning. And, and then it's up to others to use their own inner authority to discern what is a good for them or not. Um, and so what's interesting about the experiment is, and in terms of embodiment is really understanding that, wow, once you understand your type and your strategy and your authority, then it's up to you to really experiment with what your authority is bringing you into. And so your authority can be a lot of different things in human design, depending on your type, but just generically speaking, what it means is it means that you're coming into your yourself as basically your own self-guided sovereign being, that your inner authority is being very fine-tuned through the experiment so that only you know what's right for you. <laughs> and so this is actually quite empowering because I can just speak from my own experience um, that for me, I had been trained. I mean, I, I, I've spent, I don't know, 15, 17, I don't know how many years it was in university um, where we're taught that there are experts out there and I should listen to the experts and I should do this, all the shoulds, right? And what human design does is it brings you into, it brings you out of the mind and into your soul and into your inner guidance compass, your inner guidance system, that sometimes it doesn't make sense to others. But that's okay, because it's all about doing what makes inner sense to you. And so for me, that's what the experiment is all about. It's looking at your chart, knowing what your strategy and your authority is, and following that. Yeah. And coming into, does it, does it feel aligned? What doesn't feel aligned? Yeah. And then you take that and you practice with it and you, you see how that does affect the way you live your life and how things feel. And, and I, that's what I really loved about human design when I discovered it is it felt so in alignment with the work that I do with plant medicine, the work that I do with intuitive eating the work that I do with it's empowering women is like, that's when I end up, my coaching is all about helping women get back to the truth of who they are. And this is such a powerful, powerful tool for that. Right. So, wow. So exciting. Self-trust. 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 Yeah. Like and how having, can I trust myself more? Yeah. 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 And I, rem I remember the first client that I ever talked to a bit about their human design. And again, it was very surface level, what I was able to share with them. They, wrote me countless emails after just saying, Oh my God, thank you for giving me permission to be who I am. I'm like, I didn't give you permission. The stars did, but I'm glad that it's working for you. You know, like <laughs> exactly, exactly. So and, good. And, and, and for some, like I've had, um, I've had a few clients who've come and they were, they didn't, some things resonated in their chart and some things didn't. And the things that didn't, um, ended up throughout their experiment coming back to me and saying that like they had epiphanies that like now this makes sense that mm. that their tendency towards being an achiever 
was actually society's conditioning on them rather than something that they truly cared about or believed in. Mm. It was coming from a place of like wanting to prove themselves because in their chart, they had like an open ego or an open will center. Uh, so it's very interesting. Sometimes when you see your chart at first, uh, if, if, if you've, if you've been so, um, you know, maybe used to kind of giving your authority to others or not trusting yourself. Some of the things can seem really foreign, but what's kind of cool is that as you experiment and experience, you actually come into your power. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so incredible. And so everyone that's listening, they need to go get them, get a, get a copy of their chart if they don't have one already. And you have a really, you have a, uh, a space where an easy spot for people can go and they can fill in the information that's necessary and get that chart, right? Yeah. So they can go to humandesignparentingcollective.com forward slash chart. Perfect. And I'm going to drop a link to that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you're not driving in a car, pause the podcast, go to that link in the show notes and grab yourself a copy so you can look at it because Melissa is going to be using some language and referring to things in the image that you will download that is a lot easier to understand when you have it in front of you. Um, of course, you can always you know play this again later once you have your chart in front of you. But it, I found when I first started studying this, I needed my own personal chart in front of me at all times to really apply the information and understand it. Um, the beauty of this is, is there are people in the world like Melissa that you don't need to learn how to read the chart. You just need to call them up and book an appointment and they'll read it for you, (laughs) which we'll talk about. (laughs) Then you'll probably want to go look up things in your chart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we'll talk about how you can reach Melissa to do that at the end of the conversation. And I also want to mention that obviously the link that you've just shared is the human design parenting collective, because a big focus of what you want to do with this is help in that realm. And a lot of the people that are listening to my podcast are either planning to be parents, our parents are pregnant, all trying to conceive all of that. So this is like perfect, perfect time, perfect information. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and, and, and even just, again, this is one of the other parallels that I love with this work. Human design and parenting. Great. Yeah. It can be about how you can, you know, but being, being a more conscious and aware parent to your children, but it's also about reparenting yourself. And so much of the work that we do and I do with plant medicine is about reparenting ourselves. So without further ado, let's get into this. How do you want to start talking about this, Melissa? Is there anything that you want to go over overall with human design and parenting, how the charts, you know, like mother and daughter's daughter's chart, father and nephew's chart, like, is there anything that that we need to cover or should we just start giving some examples about how let's dive in. So okay. let's set the, let's set the scene for everyone that's listening here. So when it comes to implementing human design in your family routine and in, in understanding them, uh, it's to understand that the experiment starts with you. And so the journey starts with you. And it's through you being in alignment with your human design journey that you are then able to act from this beautifully aligned space where you understand yourself 
And then you understand the other, because that's what the gift of human design is. It is having an awareness of understanding yourself and the other. And when you're able to do that, all of a sudden, it's like this little secret code that unlocks between you and your child. And you start to understand them for who they really are, not for who you want them to be or who you think maybe society wants them to be. And so it's such an interesting thing because now when you see your child's chart, it's like, oh, I have, for example, I'll use myself. I have, um, I have a defined solar plexus. And if my child doesn't have a defined solar plexus, which is the emotional center, then they can very easily pick up on all the emotion that I'm putting out there and absorb it. And they could be taking on some things that aren't some worries, for example, you know, how much do us mothers worry? Um, Some, you know, any type of emotion, you name it, that open solar plexus of the child can really pick that up. And they'll, they can do two things really. One of the things in let's say the more shadow sense would be to amplify that emotion. So if I'm angry, they're gonna take in that anger, amplify it times 10 or a hundred. And all of a sudden we're in this, you know, match of of anger, which doesn't feel good for anybody. Um, Or in the more gifted sense, if you have this awareness of the other, then you understand, wow, I, you know, let's, I need to focus on maybe with my child doing some mindfulness work around emotions and what are emotions and how do they feel and what are the different types of emotions and how would they feel and really getting into like emotional literacy (laughs) with that open solar plexus of that child so that they are better aware of what is theirs, what isn't, so they can, so they can really witness it rather than um, really take it on as their own. And what's interesting is that is really only going to come, it depends on the life stage also. So, you know, that meditation, that witnessing, I mean, you know, the kids, once they're like seven and up, 14 and up, certainly, um, these can be a little bit more of, these can be more like daily routine practices. But of course, when you have an infant with this design, that's going to be a more, that's going to be more regulation, co-regulation through the mother regulating their emotion. Um, Right. Cause I mean, you can't (laughs) on the practical end, it's like, can't tell your infant, like witness my emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Anyway. So the point is, um, It's really, it's really about understanding your chart because then you, once you understand how your energies are going and working, then you can understand, wow, how that's impacting the other, your child, and also how their chart will be impacting you. And so uh, I think a really good place to bring this into more practicality would be to look at, at your chart, Meg, with Kobe. All right, let's yeah. do it. So exciting. Yeah. Okay. So I've got Meg's uh, chart here and Kobe's. So Meg is what's called a pure generator. So a generator type, so there are five types 
of um, five human design types. They, we've got our manifester, which is Kobe. It's a very rare type. It's only about 8% in the population. Uh, we've got generators. Generators make up the bulk <laughs> of the types in the world, which makes a lot of sense uh, because generators are here to create and to, I want to say like, not, not so much like create as an innovate because that's more like the manifester, but like build, build things. Um, so they're the ones who are here to kind of like do the cool work <laughs> to respond to the cool things that the manifestors are putting out there and like go ahead and build those. Um, and so generators tend to be around 68, 70%-ish like this of the world's population. Um, projectors like myself were about 20%. And then we've got our, our reflectors in there too. So reflectors are just 1%. So if you are listening and you have any of those, those are some percentages and some ideas for you. Just to touch upon two that I haven't talked about, um, so we've got the manifesting generator, which is a generator subtype. And that one is very similar to the generator, except that it does things a little bit more quickly. So it's it's considered more of like this, mm, this type that can bring things. The reason why it's called manifesting is they can bring things into form really quickly. So they're the ones who tend to like be doing multitasking a lot of different things and bringing them in to into material like into form into our world and people are like wow you know you're how did you do that and how did you do that and how did you have time to do that that's like the manifesting generator for sure uh and then the reflector which i mentioned what they're what they're here to do really is to be the ones to reflect back to society um its health and to community and they're the ones ones that take on basically all the energy and they reflect back like the health of that community, the health of that society. And um, they serve a really important purpose in, in that sense, because if you watch a reflector, they'll be the ones that, um, they'll be the ones that kind of mirror back a lot of the things that, that, that need to be worked on, which is kind of cool. Uh, so given that, Meg, you are a generator. And so generator, as a pure generator, you have a sacral authority. Most generators have a sacral authority, but not all. Some may have emotional authority, which is basically when you have emotional authority, it is riding this emotional wave before landing on a decision. I have emotional authority. And so I need a few days to settle on things uh, before I make a large, big decision. So for me, it's like, it's like, Oh, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> it's my favorite line um, when I have to like think about things. Uh, certainly not like when I'm sitting at a restaurant. And, like I don't need days to decide on menu item, but uh, <laughs> but when it comes to to bigger decisions, like you know whether to sign up my kid for camp uh, or not, like are they ready? Thinking about this type of thing, um, looking at also their chart, understanding do they need time to decide like a lot of things like that emotional authority we just need a little bit more time we can't make those quick decisions like sacrals can so sacral authority is basically it's this primal mm, feeling it could be even like this tingle it could even be like this vocal primal sound of uh-huh or uh-uh it could come out as like a Ugh, like a gut, like, uh, like, no, or it could come out as like, a, oh, yeah, like, a, 
kind of, you can, you can hear it. And so what's interesting um, for you is that, so you don't, your, you, you, your sacral isn't directly connected to your throat. So for you, your sacral actually may feel more like a feeling. So it could feel like literally like when you don't want to, when something's like a no, like an inner authority, no, it could feel like sitting down and just being like, like, like there's no movement, like your gut, that gut instinct is just like, you stop, you sit and you're just like, no, I'm not moving. Like this is not for me. Like I'm not, no, not doing this. Whereas a yes could literally feel like a pendulum swing up. It could feel like a, like a, like a zip, like, yes, this is like, this is a go. Let's do this sort of feeling. Um, but you tell me. <laughs> you tell yeah, me no, how you feel. It's definitely, it's funny because I started, you know, feeling into this when I was discovering, you know, what I, what I know about my human design. And I know that it's, it's always, I've always had a very intuitive yes, no response to things. I feel it in my body. Have I bypassed it and got, tried made a lot of decisions with my brain through my life. Yes. Because that's what I was taught to do. Right. Um, yeah. but when it comes down to it more often than not, I trust that my body's response is, is always right. Whether it's an opening or a closing or a butterfly, a good feeling of excited butterfly versus a nervous butterfly feeling like there is definitely a physical response when it comes to me making big decisions for sure for sure oh yeah and and just as a contrast uh kobe as a as a manifester who's um basically here to really initiate new things and to um to well to inform and initiate that's the strategy and the authority um is an ego authority. And so the ego authority for Kobe is quite different because it's not a sacral response. It is coming from the will center, the ego, the will center. So it's all about willpower. And for Kobe, it it's connected to the throat. So it will come out later on as more of this affirmation almost of, oh, I will do this. <laughs> I that's like the authority speaking for an ego manifester. It's like a it's a willpower feeling, uh, a willpower vocalization of I will, I can, like I will be doing this. And so it's it's a totally different authority because it comes from a space of do I have this willpower or not? And the manifester will know because the manifester doesn't have a, uh, um, a defined sacral and the manifester has this period of rest. And during that period of rest, their creative urge is building up. Mm. And as that builds up, there will be things that they will be creating space for to initiate and what will happen is that as they build up that creative urge there'll be a point where all, where all of a sudden especially for Kobe that ego willpower will just turn right on and it's like whoa okay you're ready to go I like and maybe you maybe you might even notice this now maybe you'll, you might notice you can tell us I guess is do you find that Kobe has these periods of like of rest and then just these periods of where all of a sudden it's like boom like 
you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. Well, I mean, she's almost, she'll be three in July. <laughs> so I think yeah. that partly goes with the territory of the age that she's in, but she won, you know, she 100% ebbs and flows in that way. She could be sitting, listening to plant medicine music with us with her eyes closed, just like feeling the music, almost like in a meditative state one second. And then the next second, she's like, mommy, we have to go outside. We have to do this. We have to do that. Like, and she just, it's, it, 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 it can be super, super sudden for her. 100%. I see that in her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for the manifester child, what's interesting, um, the manifester child is an interesting type because they are the ones that probably receive the most conditioning um, from society because the manifester child really is wants to basically do things that are like based on their decision. Like they don't want to be told what to do. <laughs> they want to do the things that they want to do. And in a society where we're certainly, I mean, I came out of living with my grandparents. I was raised by my grandparents for a long time and they had that mentality of like the children should listen to the adults. <laughs> and so, um, so it's interesting because for the manifester child, they may be told at certain points in their life, like, oh, you can't do that. Or, oh, like, why are you doing that? Um, when really the manifester child just is here to literally like inform and initiate. But a really good thing that uh, parents can do for the manifester child is to help them get into the routine of informing by having them ask permission. Um, and so eventually there will be a switch point. It's usually like around the age of 12 or so when they are no longer asking permission and they've come into the stage of like, okay, now I just need to like tell people what it is that I'm doing. And the reason for that is it's kind of a protective mechanism for the manifester um, because when they can inform what it is that they want to do, when they can tell people what it is that they want to do, then they can rally the help of supporters, of generators, of projectors, um, who can who can stand behind and support them in in building the thing or guiding the thing that they want to create, what it is that they want to kind of bring into the world. Uh, but yeah, it's getting to this pattern of helping them to reach that stage by helping them through asking, helping them to understand that, okay, I know that you want to do such and such. Uh, could you ask me first before you, you know, you go and do that? <laughs> it's also like a safety mechanism too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm doing the right thing with her because that's, it's, I'm at the point now where I'm like teaching her, okay, before you get in the pool, you have to come and say, mommy, can I get in the pool and give me a high five? Like, that's like trying to make this routine that I know you want to do things on your own, but you need to check in with me so that I know for safety, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. And like Kobe also has an open, um, an open spleen. And so she's probably, <laughs> she's probably like, 
Um, so Open Spleen, the Spleen Center is the center for like fear and intuition. And so when it's open, you have inconsistent access to that. And, and basically um, what can happen is you may not be able to know what's, what is necessarily for you or not. And so again, this asking of permission is really helpful for Kobe because it helps her to kind of discern, you know, what is, what is safe and what isn't safe. Um, but you have also a defined spleen. So she's going to be like, probably, uh, I don't know if you experienced this, but typically when a child has an open spleen center and a parent has the defined spleen center, um, the defined spleen provides a lot of safety and security, which parents, obviously that's our role evolutionarily to do for our kids. But in that situation, you tend to have what, what could be called in the shadow sense, a clingy child, but actually in the best gifted sense, it's, 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 a, it's an open spleen child that is gaining all that beautiful energy of like safety and security from that parent that they wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I full, I, I, I see that and I feel that she, I am definitely her, her rock when it comes to exploring the world. I feel like it's, we have a very healthy relationship in that regard. She does often always come to me when she needs that, that safety net. And I think that I've also afforded it, afforded her the, the knowing that, I, that I'm there and that I can give her that, but it's, it's, I'm her Island that she can swim away from confidently. Yes. You know, knowing that she can come back. And that's, that's attachment stuff too, that I've been, you know, really, really consciously trying to, to create for her. But that makes sense. Why right now, while I'm about to, I'm expecting our son any week now, why she is maybe clinging a little bit more again, because maybe there is a level of that, you know, she's fearing that law and maybe there's going to be a loss of that as this mm. new baby comes, who knows, right? Yeah, exactly. There, that baby's going to require you to be having, you know, some more time. It's just the, the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having, having that beautiful time with Kobe that you can set aside, I don't know, five minutes or whatever it may be, is going to help, help her like play, you know, so in, in any type of play would be really great for her because she's the manifester and having her be the one that initiates that play is going to be great and and not asking her any questions just like basically just playing along however it is that she that she wants to play because we're not getting into the mind but it's more like okay we're just playing I'm just I'm literally just going to be the parent following my child what it is that they want that, that they're doing and so that's that's so helpful for that uh, safety and security as well as well as for the manifesto child so, so um, okay you also have uh, so you have profiles let's talk about the profile so there are six profile lines of which you have the five one and so the five one is interesting because the fi- the fifth line which is in your personality is the line that is it has like leadership vibes it also is a line that acts a little bit as a mirror they call it like the fifth line mirror because it's the teller of like universal truths and that sometimes can be 
quite activating for people that come into your presence, um, into the fifth line presence, into that fifth line mirror, because what can happen is that they can basically, the fifth line is, is showing the other what it is, where they need to look, where they need to, to look for more growth, what, what it is that they need to, to kind of do for more growth. Um, at the same time, on the more shadow aspect of that, what can happen is if you're not aware that you're a fifth line, you may feel as if people are projecting onto you certain uh, certain things that that you don't see as as yourself because you're literally like you're a mirror. So they may, for example, um, I like to use examples. They may say if you know, if you've got someone in front of you who's your fifth line and you've got someone in front of you and they're going to say something like, um, oh, I really see you as, as like this mentor. And maybe you don't see yourself as a mentor, but actually you're just reflecting back to them that they need to start looking at themselves and showing up in their own mentoring, in their own um, mentorship vibes. But they projected this I, this idea of like mentor on you, but you're like, I don't want to be a mentor. <laughs> this is kind of like this this bringing this mirror out. Um, and so the fifth line is quite cool because it gets to reflect back what it is that that person needs to work on, which is is neat. And then you've got the first line in there in your body. And so actually, I thought this was quite, I snickered to myself a little bit because I was like, oh, that's so Meg. Um, <laughs> because the first line is the investigator. The first line is like the one that, and you have it in your body design. And so the first line body wants to investigate a lot of things with its body. So trying out a lot of things, experiencing a lot of things, um, different types of ways of, I know that you've talked a lot about this, of eating, right? Of, of moving, of um, how you treat your body with self-care. Uh, and so it's all about the investigation of life through the body. Uh, and so it's through that in which you get to become wise about what it is that is great for your body. But then also it's where you get to shine with your outer authority because you all of a sudden are this wise one who has been there, done that, tried it sort of like ex experienced it sort of thing with the investigating. And it's a little bit like the third line experimenter, but it's a little bit different because the first line wants to do deep dive investigation with it, with, with things. So it, it doesn't just dabble like a third line would. I have a third line body. Um, it, it wants to investigate things like deeply, like to know the ins and outs. And so I'm sure with your human design experiment, it's like irking you that you that, that you want this time to really experiment and go deep in deep, but you're also like practical, practically wise, like I have a baby coming. <laughs> it's totally. <laughs> so um, is that resonating with you? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes really, it makes a lot of sense that, that the, that, that, that line one does resonate more in body because it is true a lot of the things that I experiment with 
on an intellectual level, I don't go in deep with, but what if the physical stuff, whether it's practices like breath work or yoga or dance or plant medicine, that's all very physical. That's the stuff I go to a lot deeper with yeah. and, and really, you know, push to my edges to see what, what it's all about for sure. So that makes perfect sense. And then, yeah, I do go on and teach it always. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Which is the gift of that. Uh, and so Kobe, Kobe has the two force. So the two is the hermit and the personality. So the second line, it's really characterized in like two ways, I'd say. So it's true to its hermit self in that it needs its alone time. Um, it loves to have its alone time or it's time to just kind of like, literally it's like hermit vibes. Like, um, I don't feel like going out and playing with friends. I just kind of want to like stay in my room and like play with my toys. And you know, I just want like a quiet time right now with my mommy. And that's about it. <laughs> like, I don't want to go out. I don't go here. I want to go there. It just, it has those dips. It's not like all the time like that, but it definitely has its moments where it just wants to stay inside. And then the second line also is known as kind of like the natural talent. So it has these, um, it has the, this, this natural, it has these natural gifts that it can't explain. And people will often say to a second line, like, oh, how did you know how to do that? And they'll just be like, I don't know. I just did it. <laughs> like I just, I just did it. Right. So it may be like, it may come to be that Kobe, you know, can can swim a lot earlier than others. And it's kind of like, how do you know how to do that? Well, I don't know. I just did. Like, I just tried it out and I did it. <laughs> like, I didn't need like six weeks of lessons. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that all really makes sense because she's, we, we giggle because she loves being at school and is always talking about her preschool friends. Yeah. But then she'll go through periods of the day where I'll, she'll, I'll hear kids outside playing outside her house. Be like, oh, do you want to go outside and play with the neighbors? And she'll be like, no, I want to stay here. And she'll just want to sit on the sofa. She's like, I just want to sit with mommy. And that's totally what you said. Like she gets into these little hermit phases or sometimes she just wants to, she does. She, I guess, she goes and just plays in her room, sits on her bed, brings some books to her bed and just sits there and plays in her, in her piece. So I, I, I have noticed that she definitely has those periods of what? Oh, sorry. That's my, that's my pick your daughter up at school alarm. So we're going to have to do that soon. <laughs> okay. All um, good. We're almost back. <laughs> but, but no, that, and that all resonates because she's also innately just known how to do a lot of, a lot of things already in her short life that we're, we're in awe of, which I'm sure all parents say that about their kids. But now that I have evidence as to why that's true for her, I, that makes, makes even more sense. <laughs> Totally. It'll come out. It'll come out as she develops. Right. Like, yeah. And then she also has the fourth line, uh, which is known as the opportunist, but the fourth line it's, it's in her body. And it's basically the fourth line is like the natural networker. Like the, they want, so probably you could tell me, but once when she's out with friends, she's like super social when yep. she wants to be like, she'll be out there and she'll be like, playing with, you know, not just one friend, like, oh, I want to play with like all the friends. Like I want to play with like that person and that person. And so the fourth line, that's why it's called the opportunist because it's like this natural networker. And so it's charismatic. It, um, it, it gets a lot of its resources and the, and, um, 
and the good things in its life through its network. So mm-hmm. it'll, it will definitely come out as she gets older. But the whole idea behind that is that, uh, and it makes a lot of sense because I think she has valleys. Let me look. Val- yes. So her environmental, um, her environment style so the best environment for her is called Valley's Narrow. And it's basically being able to have a lot of resources at your fingertips and to be able to uh, be in connection with people um, who in, in, in a narrow space. So it could be like in a small town or it could be like to be able to have the environment where she can connect with people in, in narrow um, pathways or like I'm just thinking if you're at a playground, she may be the type that loves to sit in those like tubes that are in the playgrounds. They have like these tubes where kids can like crawl through them and some kids just want to stay in there and sit. (laughs) And so it reminds me of Valley's narrow type of child um, that just wants to like see all the people passing by. Totally, totally. And that's funny you say that because she does, like we were just in the city in San Jose, the head capital city of Costa Rica last week, and she met all the little kids and we, you know, we left and then she would like, can we go play back there and play again? I want to see Ella. I'm like, how do you know these kids' names? Like she's just going around there, just meeting all the kids and knowing their names. Like you're three years old, you little social butterfly. Exactly. And because it's in her body, like she'll, she, she literally maybe just like bumping into people physically as well. Like it would be very, you know, very easy for her to kind of like to do that. Um, it's kind of fun to think about that. Uh, and so, yeah, so this two, four, it's actually a bit of a conundrum because the second line in the personality wants to like have those moments of like staying in and just being with mama and sitting on the couch, as you said, but then when it, once it does have the, the social, um, spark, when it's out there, it's like, it's really out there. It's charismatic and it's like so happy. And, and like learning and meeting all the people and figuring out, you know, what's the word on the street, basically. Yeah. So, so neat. It's so neat to see that, you know, to see a lot of this happening for her and, and, you know, and I, and I like to think that maybe part of that's because we are, we are allowing her to really be who she needs to be. At least I hope, I hope that's my goal, you know, that we're letting her just come into herself and be individual and not have expectation on her to be the way that we are myself or her or her or her father. And I think that, I mean, I'm sure we could go on and on and on for hours. And I think what I'm going to have to do is book a follow-up call with you to do a proper, a proper reading of all of this for, for, for us and maybe my partner as well. Um, But I think that this has been a pretty, cool introduction for anyone out there that's not familiar with human design and is and is curious to know a little bit more about their their children's destinies and what they're well you know what they were given uh, as gifts and and characteristics in this life because if we're you know most people that are listening to my podcast are on this path to con- you know living a more conscious way of being and we can't do that for our kids if we're not just laying out the the red carpet of beingness for them and saying, here, you do you while I continue to grow me. And this is such a beautiful tool for that. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. It's like 
you know, when I just as a small little aside, when I'm thinking about this, the two for, you know, for Kobe, I think about the children I see sometimes at the playground that they want to come over and they want to play with my kids and their parents. I sometimes the mother will come over or the father and or whoever the partner is, um, and they'll say, you know, oh, oh, don't bo- don't bother, don't bother that kid or you know whatever it is, like oh, oh, leave, leave them, they're playing, right? And I'm like, oh man, bad. I bet you that child's a fourth line. Mm. <laughs> and if their parent just knew, just let them play. <laughs> they can say hi. It's like in them. It's like they're innate. They 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 really need that. So yeah. Well, let's, where can people find more? What, tell us, let's, t- first of all, tell us about the, this, the Human Design Parenting Collective and what you have, what you're creating, what is currently in creation. Yeah. So I'm creating the Human Design Parenting Collective and it is going to be an expert led, uh, community powered space for parents to connect with each other. I think that we get a lot of information, especially once you dive into human design, you can get a lot of information from so many places. Um, and we're at, we're at no loss of content these days, but I feel like what we really um, kind of have this hunger for, or this need is to connect, to connect with other parents and to see how they're going on this journey and what's working for their manifestor child who's experiencing, let's say, the not self of anger. You know, how are they helping their child through that? And having that in living wisdom through understanding uh, other parents and their own experiences with their human design journey is going to be really valuable. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm bringing together this community, creating this community space so that not only can I provide um, education, but more so that the parents can really gain nuggets of wisdom from each other as well. Yeah. So real community. I love it. I love it. And, and so this is something that is happening. It's, in in progress right now where can people connect with you to make sure they can get included in on this where can they follow you how can they stay connected how can they reach out if they want to find out like holy holy shit i want to know about what my kids chart says and, and how can they where can they find you for all of that cool stuff yeah so basically by the time this is launched it will be ready so they can go to humandesignparentingcollective.com and that will have the information on how to connect, how to be a part of the community, how to reach out to me. Um, and if by chance it's not ready, <laughs> you can find me over uh, at my website or on my Instagram, which is melissaleithwood.com or on Instagram, Melissa Leithwood. Um, but that site, it's almost, it's almost ready to pop out. So it should be, it should be there. Uh, so amazing. And I'll have again, links to all of that in the show notes. So beautiful to see you, to have you on here. Thank you for, thank you for a sharing all of this. Thank you for everything you, that you've been sharing in the world over the years. And thank you for, for giving me a little bit more insight about my, my little girl. I can't wait to find out what this little boy of mine is going to be birthing himself into. And we could talk about that when the time comes too. 
Yes, we could do like a whole family reading. That would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? We'll probably have you back on the show later on this year to to just talk more in depth about everything that you that you're creating and offering in this realm because it's so so important and applying it to to parenting and the family dynamic is you know something I'm super passionate about and I'm so glad you've created this. So thank you, thank you, thank you, my dear. Thank you, Meg Pearson. I love you. I love you. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Please, if you would be so kind, I would be grateful if you could share, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Please follow the show over on Instagram at Fertile at 40 Podcast and share what you thought about this week's episode. Don't forget to tag us. For more info on today's show, please head on over to the podcast website at meganpearson.ca forward slash podcast. Until next time. 